We'll be in Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue on through the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Next week we're going to go a different direction because of our Vision Sunday. I think we're going to come back to the Sermon on the Mount, though, the week after uh, is my plan, at least at the moment. And uh, But today we're in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking uh, at verses 19 through the end of the chapter during the message today. We're not going to read all of it right now. But we live a life of choices. God creates us with a free will. God is sovereign and controls and has the power to control everything. But He willingly gives to us the options to choose certain things in life. And when it comes down to serving God, to following God, to obeying God, it's a choice that you have to make. It's a choice you have to choose. Joshua tells us, uh, well, it's, we, we read it in Joshua, where he, he says you, you have to choose, right? He's talking to the people in front of him. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day. What will you do? And when it comes to the Christian life and living a life for God, it is a decision we have to make. And, and it's not a decision that is, uh, should be made lightly. We would all agree, especially right after we're saved, we would all say, I want to follow God. We talked about a little bit in Sunday school this morning, being a disciple, a follower of God. We would all say, I want to follow God, but the question is not, do you want to? The question is, is will you follow God? It's a choice that you're going to have to choose, and it's not a one-time choice. It's a daily decision. Today, I'm following God. It's an hour-by-hour -hour choice. This hour, I'm following God. It's a moment-by-moment -moment decision that we make. And with the choices that we have in front of us, the main problem is we oftentimes choose incorrectly. And so this morning, we're going to see three choices uh, that we must choose from. And we're going to see it from the verses here. Uh, and, and a familiar verse in verse 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and, earth doth, or excuse me, moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. That's going to be our first choice today, but uh, we'll look at it here after we pray. Lord, we pray for your help this morning. God, we're thankful for the opportunity we have, the freedom that we have to come and to listen to your word this morning. And God, I pray that Although we cover some familiar verses today, I pray that we would learn something fresh. And God, I pray as I preach the message that you preached, Lord, I would do it clearly and that I would do it correctly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Three choices today. Which one will you choose? First of all, a choice of loves. A choice of loves. I'm not talking about the gas station. A choice of Loves. I thought it was uh, nice of Brother Gary, by the way, to mention seeing new faces and old faces. It's nice that he uh, singled out some people there. But um, he also said he was in college for 10 years. He, he didn't go to college for 10 years. He worked at the college, unlike some of us. Uh, he was able to graduate, and, and he stuck around afterwards. But uh, sorry, I had a few jokes I had to get in there. I couldn't let them just, just bubble up inside of me. Uh, but you notice I didn't say any names um, of old faces. You know who you are. Uh, 
has nothing to do with the message. A choice of loves. A choice of loves. And we see it here in verse 19 through verse 21. Uh, we see a love, uh, loving the things of the earth versus loving the things of God. And he says there, the things of the earth, they, they rot. Moths come through and can destroy. They rust. Precious metals uh, uh, over time rust and are diminished. And things get robbed from thieves. The things of this earth, as much as we like to hang on to them while we live on this earth, God says at the end of the day, they all are destroyed. If you've ever had to go through a tragic event like a house fire or a flood, um, you know this, and we've seen this even in recent months here in our area, the massive floods that came through not too horribly long ago, and just places absolutely destroyed. Everything inside the home just gone, nothing you can do with them. Pictures destroyed, furniture destroyed, electronics ruined, all those kinds of things gone. You see, the things of the earth, they can be gone just like that. Um, you know, uh, don't wish this upon anyone. You could go home today and all of a sudden, while you were gone at church, someone robbed your house. And you walk in your house and you look around and you're thinking, well, where's all my stuff? It's gone. They say, well, I can replace stuff. Sure, you can. You can spend more money to replace those things. Insurance might help you a little bit, whatever it may be. But what Christ is saying here as he's preaching this message to the people listening, he's saying the things that you hold so dear in your life, they can be gone in a heartbeat. They won't last for eternity. But he says the things that I offer, they do last for eternity. You remember Christ with the Samaritan woman at the well. He says, I can give you water in which you will never thirst again. Even the daily provisions that we need for nutrients and for energy and for strength to get through our day, God says even that stuff eventually is gone. But what I can provide for you is everlasting. It is eternal. The, the things of God. That's why instead of loving the things of earth, we should love the things of God. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. There's no moths in heaven. There's no rust in heaven. So the treasures that you lay up that are godly things, God says they last. They do not get destroyed. You've heard the statement, you can't take a U-Haul with you when you die. I don't know why you'd want to anyhow. I'm, I'm hoping to upgrade <laughs> when I die on this earth. I don't want the stuff that I have now. But uh, you get this, this understanding that the things of heaven, they don't rush, they don't corrupt, uh, they don't break. Thieves cannot steal. You know who goes to heaven? The person who places their faith in Jesus Christ. The one who's saved. There's no thieves in heaven. Now you say, well, are the thieves ever get saved? Yeah, sure. But when you get to heaven, there's no stealing. There's no sin. There's no wickedness. There's no corruptness. There's no pain. If you've ever had your house broken into, there's a fear that comes over you after, afterwards. What if we were home? What if uh, they come back? Um, those kinds of things. How will we replace things? Those sorts of things. There is no fear in heaven. There, there is just not there. It's not present. So God says, lay up for yourself things that will be in heaven, so therefore those things will not be gone. Love the things of God as opposed to the things of this earth. It says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there 
will your heart be also. Do you want to live for God? If you do, you have to lay up treasures in heaven. Because where your treasure is, there is your heart. So if your treasure is in heaven, your heart will be on the things of heaven. But if your treasure is in the things of this world, possessions, money, fame, um, position, um, anything else, if it's on that, then your heart's going to be on that, and therefore your heart's not going to be on God, and therefore you're not going to be able to follow God because your heart's not on Him. And so you have to lay up treasures in heaven if you're actually going to follow God. You can't split it down the middle, serve one or serve both. You have to pick one, God or the earth, God or myself. And so if you want to serve God, then it starts with where your heart is. Where's your heart? It's where your treasure is. So where's your treasure? And do you love the things of this earth or do you love the things of God? And that's, that's what, exactly what it says here in these verses, a choice of loves. If you work for earthly treasure, you will not serve God properly. If you work for heavenly treasure, God's going to bless you, and I believe he'll bless you with some earthly treasure along the way. Ultimately, he's blessing you with heavenly treasure, but from what I've seen in my own personal life, when I'm following God, God says, hey, I got you. I'll take care of you. Here's a couple extra blessings for you. As Christians, we are commanded to focus on the heavenly treasure. Uh, first, or not first, but Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians 3, the first two verses. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, save. Uh, faith and trust in Christ to save you. He is your Savior. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on things on the earth. Why does Colossians say, set your affections on things above, because the Bible says that where your heart is, there is your treasure. So if you're setting your affections here on this earth, your treasure is here on this earth. If you're setting your affection on the things above, on things in heaven, things for eternity, then this, you're laying up the treasures where you're supposed to be laying up treasures. That's a choice of loves, loving the earth, loving God. Number two, a choice of looks. A choice of looks. Look in verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. The word single here means clear. Um, you don't have blurred vision. You don't have double vision. Clear, uh, focused on something. Evil means the exact opposite. It means the blurry, the out of focus. Uh, for lack of a better term, uh, spiritual astigmatism. All right? uh, so your eye here, not being focused or being focused. When our life is focused on God, we can understand God's direction for us. We can hear, we can see clearly what God desires for us, and therefore we can obey it better. When our life is focused on gaining things in this world, on gathering, on, on hoarding, so to say, the things of this world, then our vision becomes blurry. That's when we start missing church. That's when we uh, stop reading our Bible. That's when we stop faithfully praying. When our vision is not single, and we lose that focus. And again, this is a choice 
that you make. When people, I've pastored for 10 years now. When, when people start missing church consistently, sometimes it starts with a good reason, right? We don't, we don't hound people. I don't do that. You miss church, we miss you, I promise we do. If you miss after a while, eventually I'm going to shoot you a text or give you a phone call and say, hey, just so you know, we miss you. Uh, I just want to check in on you. Uh, I'm not typically going to ask, you know, why haven't you been coming to church? That's just not my style. Because in my experience, when I skip church, I don't do it anymore, but when I skip church, um, I didn't want people to ask me why, because they knew why and I knew why. And so we get to this point, though, where you start missing church and, and it's consistently. You no longer have a good reason other than I'm tired. And for the record, we all are. Now, I've never met a church-going Christian who wasn't tired. Um, you know, so it is what it is. Take it, take it or leave it. But nonetheless, we get to the point where now we're just not going to church. Why? Because your vision's not single. It's blurred. You've got your eyes set on the things of this earth and not the things of God. You stop reading your Bible, maybe you never started, but you stop reading your Bible, you're not reading it consistently. Why? Because your, your focus is off. You're looking to the things of the earth and not the things of God. It really is that simple. It's amazing when I sit back and look at my life and, and, uh, and look through um, my two pages of sins in my life. No, uh, a little bigger than that. But uh, look through my sins in life, and you can go back, and every single one of them you can, you can look at and, and say, okay, well, here's why. It's because my eyes were on the things of the world, not the things of God. Anytime I slip up, that's the problem. We're, naturally, we want more money. Naturally, we want more uh, a better position. We want people to look up to us to some degree. People to think that we are something special. And so our life will lead us to trying to gather that. I'm a pastor of a church. I have pastor friends all over the world. Some of them pastor incredibly large churches. You know how easy it is for a young pastor to look at big churches and go, I want that. It's the danger of Bible college. I, I'm all for Bible college. I think people should go to Bible college, uh, kids. Um, I'm 100% for Bible college. One of the problems with Bible college is Bible college kids go and they learn from people and they see people who've done it successfully, who've been blessed, and things like that, and they think that the next day they should be at that point in ministry. That's not how it works. Sometimes pastors don't ever see a church over 20 30, 40, 50 people. Brother Gary could tell you, he goes all over the world and sees small churches. You know what God tells us to do? Keep your eye focused on me. Not the number of people in your church. Yes, we want to see growth. Everybody wants, you should want to see growth. You should want to see people saved, see people baptized, see people join the church, growing in the Lord, walking in Him. We should want that. But that shouldn't be our focus. Our focus should be on God. We all are tempted by different things. In ministry, we oftentimes get tempted by other people's ministries. We get jealous. Uh, we, get, uh, we get this mindset of, well, they're not anything. I'm way better than them. 
I've heard them preach before. And you guys go, well, we've heard you preach, Pastor. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, you get this mindset of, I should have more. Well, guess what? I have nothing. <laughs> I've been placed in a church to preach to the people that God is ultimately the shepherd of. It's not mine. I say my church, and I don't mean that anyway disrespectful to God. Uh, I hope that you say my church when you're talking to people as well. We should claim some ownership of the church. We should love the fact that we're a part of a group of people coming together to worship the Lord together. And I know pastors, when you say, well, my church, they say it's God's church. Well, okay. But I also know people who say my church, and they mean it's my church. I run this church. You do it my way. Now listen, again, we talked about this in Sunday school. I set certain standards in the church, and, and some of them are personal preferences of mine. I try to be very open with you on that. I don't over-spiritualize things. I grew up in a ministry where I was told not everything has to be spiritual. If you're playing a game, just go play a game. You don't have to have a biblical application to the game. It's just a game. Go have fun. It's okay. God wants you to have fun. But we get to this point where we, we just, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Your eyes aren't on God. It's on the earth and what you can gain. And we do it in, in everyday life too. We do it at work. We do it at home. Um, we do it in relationships. We do it everywhere. And any time that you fall off of the path that God wants you on, I guarantee you your mind and your focus is not where it's supposed to be. You're not looking to God. You want to stop sinning? Look to God. Because you can't be staring at God and sinning. You can't be focused on God and doing the things of God and sinning. It doesn't work because God says, if you're looking at me, I've got your mind. I've got your heart. But when our eyes fade away from that, you know, we go to the story of Christ walking on the water and, and uh, his apostle steps out of the boat and he's walking on the water too, and, and, uh, and everything's going fine, and then he takes his eyes off of, of Jesus, and he sinks into the water, and Christ saves him. And I've heard preachers preach for my whole life about taking your eyes off of Jesus. But you know, the truth is, is that when his eyes were on God, on Jesus Christ, he did something that none of us will ever do. He literally walked on water. Not on a sandbar. He walked on top of the water in the middle of a storm, nonetheless. But you see, we do the same thing. We're following God. It's like we're walking on water. For with God, all things are possible. And so we're, we're, we're watching God and we're focused on God and we're centered in on His Word and what He wants us to do and we're walking on the water, but the next thing you know, something takes our eyes off of Him. Now we're blurred vision. Now we're double vision. Now it doesn't work anymore. And we fall. Every time you sinned, your eyes, I promise you, were not on Jesus. So have that choice of where you're going to look. Have that single focus. The light of the body is the eye, and therefore, that I, that I be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye not be single, 
or just say there in verse 23, if it be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? You have a choice. What are you going to do? Where are you going to look? Number three, last of the day, you have a choice of lords. Choice of loves, a choice of looks, and a choice of lords. We're good Baptists today. We got we, we alliterated. Uh, verse number 24, the Bible says, No man, understand this. We talked about it in Sunday school, right? The Bible is truth. Everything in the Bible is truth. God does not lie. No man, no person, no human can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. 1 Kings 18.21 says, And Elijah came unto the people, and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. It's a choice that you have to make. What God will you follow? You have the choice. It's funny, when you put them up next to each other, it seems pretty simple. You have the creator of the universe, the God that loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. The God that was nailed to a cross and died and three days later rose from the dead. The God of provision, the God of protection. Or, <laughs> you got the world. Well, if God be God, then follow him. If the world be God, then follow it. Choose. Who are you going to follow? We can't do both. Sadly, in churches all across the world today, there are people just playing Christian. They look the part. They seem the part every time you see them in church. But their heart, and oftentimes their actions throughout the week, are not the same as what you see on Sundays. As a Christian, we ought to surrender all. To God. We had this phrase in college my sophomore year, and again, a bad lesson to learn, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. We went to Bible college, and in Bible college you have a lot of rules and guidelines and things like that. And my roommates and I came up with the phrase, if you're going to sin, go all out. You're going to get kicked out of Bible college. It not be, better not be for something really stupid. Um, so if you're going to do something, do it right. Again, thankfully, only we only have two kids in the room today. But uh, it's a bad philosophy. Don't, don't follow it. But it brings me back to this thought of if you're going to do something, go all out. If you're going to follow God, well, then go all out. Follow God in everything. Not part of the way. Like actually, we use the word sell out. It might be a, a bad connotation, but sell out to God. Everything that you have. 
Revelation chapter 3, talking about the different churches, goes through a church in verses 15 and 16 about a lukewarm church. And God says, I would spew you out of my mouth. I can't stand it. Be hot or be cold. Yet, even though God clearly states it in Revelation, I would say a large majority of churches across the world today are full of lukewarm Christians. How do I know that? Or why do I think that? Because look at the world. Go to Acts and find when the people of God were on fire for God. And tell me what was happening in the world as a revival. Churches were being started, people were being saved. Then look at the world today. It's not to say there are no churches being started and no people being saved. But would you categorize, let's just narrow it down to a number. Do you see a movement of God in America right now? Crying for it. Why isn't it happening? Because they're lukewarm. Not cold out. We're doing what's convenient for us. When it matches up with God, then great. That's all that's going to happen. When it doesn't match up with God, because our eyes are on the world and the things of the world, then we're saying, eh. I'm going to go this way. God will forgive me. That's lukewarm. It's not hot. It's not cold. And God says, you make me sick in modern day English. And spew you out of my mouth. Today, you have to choose God or the world. Tomorrow, you're going to have to choose God or the world. Heavenly treasures or worldly treasures. I'd like to close with this story. Judson Van Deventer, born in 1855. He was raised in a Christian home. At the age of 17, Judson accepted Jesus as his Savior. He graduated from college with a degree in art, and he was employed successfully as a teacher and administrator of a high school art program. He traveled extensively, visiting the various art galleries all throughout Europe. Van Deventer also studied and taught music. He mastered 13 different instruments. He sang and he composed music. He was very involved in the music ministry of his church and eventually found himself torn between a successful teaching career and his desire to be a part of an evangelistic team traveling around the world and getting the gospel out. This struggle within him lasted for almost five years. In 1896, Van Deventer was conducting the music of a church event, and it was during these meetings that he finally surrendered his desire completely to God. He made the decision to become a full-time evangelist, and he submitted completely uh, to the will of his Lord. And after this happened, a song came to his mind, and he began to write, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. We sing it as a prayer sometimes. But when he wrote this song, it was his life. All to Jesus, I surrender. 
He says, all to him I freely give. No one's making it. It's my choice. I'm giving everything I have to him. And I will ever love and trust him. Not only that, but in his presence. Every day I'll make a choice. You see, we have a choice this morning. We have a choice of loves. Loving the things of this world or loving the things of God. We have a choice of looks. Where will our focus be? And we have a choice of lords. Who will we serve? I mean, you look at this God that we have and that we serve, and if you look in verse 25, he says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat and what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Look at the last phrase in verse 26. Are ye not much better than they? The answer is yes. We are. So why is it that a God who cares for us and even cares for these insignificant creatures, why is it that we decide to serve something else? Well, the answer is because we don't say all to him, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him and in his presence Today and tomorrow and the next day, I will. It's your choice. What will you choose? Lord, I pray for your help this morning. So thankful for the people in this room. And Lord, how they've committed to be a part of this church. And Lord, their, their impact on this church. Lord, how they make being a pastor so much simpler than it could be. Lord, I'm so thankful for them. But God, I know that every single person in this room, me included, we have a daily choice that we have to make, and so oftentimes we choose wrongly. God, we need forgiveness. God, we need strength, and God, we need help. Oh, Lord, I pray that today and tomorrow and the next, Lord, that we'll choose what is right. God, I pray that you'd open our hearts and our, our minds to be able to comprehend and understand how much better it is to store up treasure in heaven than it is to store up treasure on this earth. And God, I pray that we will truly love the things of God. And Lord, I pray that you'd help our minds to be focused and centered in on you and your will and not our own self. And Lord, I pray that we'll choose to follow and serve you as opposed to ourselves and the things of this world. So help us, I pray, to choose. And to choose right. We pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand with me, please?